Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Hello and good morning. I am so happy to be able to be here with you, reaching out through telecommunication uh, to come into your home and share the good news of God with you. I am in London. I'm just not standing in front of you person to person, but through the wonders of technology, I still get to share God's word with you this morning and to join with Pastor Agu and Pastor Shola my big brother and little sister, um, to let you know that God is still on the throne. And regardless of how you're feeling or what your situation is this morning, he is there for you. Um, of course, you know, I always like to start off with a little bit of worship. And it's amazing. I wrote this song before all of this happened, but I think that it's actually quite perfect for the moment as we've been told to stay in our house. I want you to know that you're not there alone that God is with you in the room. So I just want to share uh, this song with you and hopefully it'll bless you this morning. Love is in the room. Let him heal you. 
He's breaking every chain. Healing every pain. Lifting every heart. We're alive. He's freeing every soul. He's making us all whole. Now we're born again. We're alive. How is it so in the room. God has a special plan for all of us and as we keep hope alive by knowing who is ultimately in control of this situation, we have hope and it keeps us sound in mind, body, and spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that you are in the house with us. We thank you that as we cast all our cares on you because you care for us, you are sure and quick to answer. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for your fatherhood. Thank you for your tender care of us. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use me to share what is on the heart of the Father and the Son to these, your people today. Lord, let there be none of me and all of you as I share from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to share with you a little about how to survive a plague. 
That's what we're facing. That's what we're dealing with. And so I pray that I'll be able to share a practical word with you on how to do that. Uh, I always believe that there's a spiritual parallel for every natural parallel. So I'm always looking for what God is saying in the midst of what the world is saying. We've been given some specific instructions on how to get through this and keep safe from the coronavirus. Um, The first one, of course, that we all have memorized is wash your hands, right? It's all about cleanliness. Um, If you never were a person that was uh, conscious of always washing your hands before, now more than ever, we're all aware that we need to wash our hands for 20 seconds or sing happy birthday twice, whichever one it takes, to make sure that we have clean hands. And you know what? Uh, The world is not the only person interested in our hands being clean. God is interested in our hands being clean. His word says, cleanse your hands, O ye sinners, and purify your hearts. And so while we're doing an external cleansing, I believe that God is calling us to an internal cleansing, a cleansing of our hearts. David said, wash my lips with hyssop, renew uh, a right spirit within me, cleanse my heart, Um, discover and reveal within me secret faults. And this is where we should be in this hour as we're being called back into a reset of all things. God is doing something new. Do you not see it? Do you not know it? Do you not perceive it? But it begins with us being in the right position with God. And so he encourages us to not just cleanse outwardly, but to cleanse ourselves inwardly and spiritually as well. The next thing the world tells us about is social distancing. Very interesting words, social and distancing. They don't really seem to go together, but I think what they were trying to do was saying, we're not telling you to shatter relationships. We're just asking you to keep a realistic distance so that you can stay clean and germ free. Well, God calls us to living a life of sanctification, which is a separation as well, a separation unto himself, where we understand and know that we are not people of the world. We are in it, but not of it. He has called us to a separate walk unto himself as ambassadors from heaven. We walk and talk differently because we've been sanctified. We are not allowing the world to corrupt us um, or inject us with their agenda and their culture. We distance ourselves from those things that corrupt and uh, contaminate us with worldly viruses versus um, remaining godly and walking in holiness. The Bible talks about bad company corrupting good manners. Let us at this time take the time to examine our associations and our habits and make sure that we're living a sanctified life, a life set apart for God. Leviticus 27 says, sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Amen. Jesus even prayed the same thing for us in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them through your truth, O God. Your word is truth. We can be sanctified by the word. Um, God promises to wash us with his word. You see, the more word we know, the more it cleanses our spirits, the more it gives us a desire to look like our Abba Father God, to be like him, to embody who he is through his character and his integrity as a testimony 
to the world around us. And so we've been called to live a sanctified life. Now, the third point that's become a really big deal in this whole thing is stay in the house. And I think that that's a call to stay in the house physically as well as spiritually. Galatians 6.10 tells us that we are members of the household of faith. Okay, this one has everybody going crazy, though, because we're stir crazy. We're used to being able to go in and out and do as we please. And now we are called to a different type of discipline, being in the house. I think it's a good thing, though. And I think that we need to see the um, not see it as a confinement, but see it as an assignment. You know, this is not the first time plagues have hit the earth. Um, There have been three plagues in the last 120 years, and then there was one that might not have been recorded even within that number that started back in the day in a place called Egypt. Remember that? The Israelites were there. They were being oppressed in Egypt. They were being squished by the world system in Egypt. The Egyptians had a multitude of different gods and idols and thought that they were everything. And they looked down on the Israelites. They oppressed the Israelites. And the Israelites called out to God. Just as we pray for revival now, they were praying for liberation. And God decided to answer them. But how did he answer them? Before he released them from their bondage, the plagues came, eight of them to be exact. He assaulted the land of of Egypt with plague after plague. He said that he was going to conquer their enemies, that he was going to display his power and miracles, and that they would not leave empty-handed, that there would be a transfer of wealth. So, hmm, that's something that we need to look at. Is there going to be a transfer of wealth? I think for saints who press in and hear the voice of God and receive instruction in this hour, that is possible for you. New uh, entrepreneurial jobs will be birthed out of this time. Um, More occasions to prosper than ever before. New ways to become fruitful. There could be a transfer of wealth that comes out of this time if we stay in the house and hear the voice of God. The plagues came, plague after plague. They used frogs, gnats, flies, boils, hail, livestock, locusts, darkness. And as you know, the last one was death of all of the firstborn males belonging to the Egyptian household. But in the middle of all of that, God took care of his people. He had specific instructions for them to survive the plague. He told Moses in Exodus chapter 12, make sure you go and read it there yourself. He told them to take some blood and smear it on the doorpost of their homes. And then he told them to be fully dressed, to be in a place of preparation, ready for flight. And he specified that they should wear their sandals and carry a walking stick or a staff in their hands. Um, another translation says they were to have their loins girded and their shoes on their their shoes on their feet and staff in their hand. They were to eat a meal in urgency, where it was the Lord's Passover, and He promised that he would pass over Egypt and strike down every firstborn son. But He said, "The blood on your doorpost." will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Wow, that is powerful. Let's break that down and take a look at it. 
He said, apply the blood. Have you applied the blood to your home? Do you know the power of the blood of Jesus? Hebrews 12, 24 tells us Jesus is here. He is the one who makes God's new agreement or covenant with us. And his sprinkled blood says much better things than the blood of Abel. You see, when Abel was murdered, his blood cried out from the ground for revenge. But the blood of Jesus cries out for our salvation, for our redemption, for our protection, for our security, for our eternal life in heaven with him. The blood has a voice. The blood will rebuke the devourer for our sake, according to the word of God. Another translation says you have come to Jesus, the one who brought the new agreement from God to his people, and you have come to the sprinkled blood that has a better message than the blood of Abel. It, it, it speaks of something better or pleads more insistently. Jesus's blood cries out with a message of forgiveness and reconciliation. Hallelujah. That is so powerful to know that the blood speaks on our behalf. Have you applied it in the spirit to your home? Do you know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ at work for you, not just as a work of salvation, but to repel the work of the enemy in your life? Hebrews 9, 16 through 22 tells us that the blood confirms the covenant that God has made with you and that everything was purified with the blood for without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. The blood speaks for us. Let us utilize it. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not also walk through it with mud on our shoes, but let us respect the power of the blood at work in our lives and know that it is a sign to the devourer to pass over, to pass over our homes, to pass over our lives, our relationships, everything concerning us. Then, they were told to be fully dressed. You see, God was taking them somewhere. And you should know by now that the extent of trial always reveals the extent of the blessings that are yet to come. When God is taking you somewhere, he usually causes a dishevelment, an unease in your spirit, a discomfort to get you willing to move. You see, before the Israelites left Egypt, when Moses showed up to say he was taking them out, they kind of protested. They, Even though they were in bondage and had been complaining, the fear of the unknown made them settle for less than what God had for them and what they desired for themselves. And so now the plagues made them even uncomfortable, even though it was a work against the Egyptians and God's defiance of their idols that he was tearing down by insulting them openly with them. Um, he was also doing a work in the heart of the Israelites to get them willing to move. Sometimes God has to shake us up in order to get us to be willing to move. And so he said, be fully dressed, be ready. So even though we're at home, don't settle in. Even though we don't know the exact day when things will open back up, we need to be redeeming the time and be in a state of readiness for the next that God is preparing, even as we speak. Be fully dressed. And he stressed sandals. So let's talk about what that dress looks like. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 gives us some things that we need to put on, okay? It talks about putting on the armor of God so that we'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. All right. It says uh, after the battle, you'll still be standing firm if you dress in these things. Stand your ground. 
putting on the belt of truth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I put on a lot of my clothes, I like to wear loose things, but sometimes they slip and slide around and I have to take a belt to hold them in place. God says that truth will hold everything you know about him in place. It will um, solidify you. It will give you um, a grounding. It will hold you together so that you don't fall apart. The truth of God in times of unrest, when there are so many different voices screaming different theories and conspiracies and whisperings and, and fearful things, truth is the thing that will hold you together and keep you standing firm. And then he says, Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Guard your heart because out of it, all the issues of life and death flow. Make sure that your heart is in the right place with God. Righteousness speaks of being in the right place with God, right standing with him, making sure that your heart is in alignment with him, covered by his word, covered by relationship with him. As you think in your heart, so will you be. So your heart has a lot to do with the moves that you're going to make. And so God is saying, make sure that you're armored up, that your breastplate covers your heart when right standing and keeps your heart secure in him. Then it talks about shoes, putting on shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Prepared for what? Prepared for whoever you face, prepared for wherever you go. There's a peace that comes from knowing the good news that God has given us. He has given us the news of salvation and redemption, but he's also given us the news that he is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Um, we've never been seen forsaken or begging bread. God's got us. You know, um, before I left the States, they were starting to enact the whole thing about you couldn't go out to get food, but they would deliver it to you. And I said, you know, God started the first home delivery of food. Oh, yes, he did. When he rained down manna from heaven, that was home delivery. He fed the people daily, daily home delivery from heaven. Can you imagine? Do you know that God is still able to deliver whatever you need to your house? So stand firm, be fully prepared, have your shoes on covered in peace, the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared for whatever it is that you're facing. Then he says, hold up the shield of faith. Now, this is important because it goes on to say that that stops the fiery darts of the enemy. When I was a little girl, my mother always used to tell me that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest. Well, that shield of faith stops the lies of the enemy from penetrating into your heart. That's why you need the breastplate and then you use that shield. Wherever he's pointing at, sometimes those fiery darts are coming at your heart. Then you move it to the left, okay? And then sometimes the fiery darts are going against your mind, and that's why you got to have the helmet of salvation intact also. But you can lift that shield even there to ward off the attack of the enemy against your mind. Uh, the Bible tells us to bring all of our thoughts into obedience to Christ, to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Those imaginations, those high things are things that we see on social media every day. We could literally OD on Corona information right now, how it works, what it looks like in the lungs, who thought it up. Uh, maybe it was a conspiracy uh, for economic destruction 
and there's so many things flying around. See, I'm even guilty. I can tell you some of the stuff. <laughs> but all I'm here to say is that God is saying, cast down those imaginations. Those things just build up your faith into fear. You're right. Um, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So whatever we're listening to, that faith muscle is being bent. So we're listening to bad news. We're getting a big, bad faith bustle. But if we're listening to good news, we're building up good muscle. We're building up strength that will endure and stand the test of time. So hold up the shield of faith and stop the fiery darts of the enemy. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Did you ever notice in scripture, Jesus just did not waste any time talking with the devil. He did not allow him to get on a roll in conversation with him. When the enemy came at him, he would just say, it is written. It is written, slash. It is written, whip. It is written, shoot. It was done. Said he retreated and had to wait for a more opportune time because he could not get past the word in Jesus's world. And the same thing should be happening with you. He should not be able to get past the word to get to your mind, to get to your heart, to get to your emotions, to trouble your spirit and get you in a place of worry. The Bible says, do not worry about anything, but bring everything in prayer to God, expecting him to answer, submitting your needs and supplications to him with a uh, an attitude that God hears you and knows and has already sent angels ahead before you even prayed the prayer because he anticipates what you're in need of far before you say it. God is faithful. But are you dressed? Are you dressed well? Are you ready for the next that God has coming into your life? Then he says, Carry your walking stick. Now, the walking stick stands for authority. Get a grip on it. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we get a little waffly with that. Or we go overboard um, into areas that are uncharted, that aren't really ours to mess with. But God has given us authority. Um, Zechariah 10, 12 says, by my authority, I will make my people strong and by my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Amen. And when Jesus told the disciples to go out in Mark 6, 8, he told them not to take food, bread, money, nothing. Just take the staff. The staff represented authority. By it, they were going to cast out demons. They were going to work miracles in the name of Jesus. The message version of Zechariah 10, 12 says something very profound. He says, I'll put muscle in the people of Judah. I'll save the people of Joseph. I know their pain and I will make them good as new. That's for me. That's for you. He's talking about his people. He said they'll get a fresh start as if nothing had ever happened. Do you know, um, they always talk about pregnant women when they have babies. The pain is so intense and afterwards they don't remember. They have a reference point that there was a lot of pain, but they don't really remember it. And God is able to do the same thing. Oh, death, where is your sting? He's able to take away the sting of past trials in your life and you won't feel them anymore because he's given you a fresh start as if nothing ever happened. 
He said, because I am their very own God, I will do what needs to be done for them. And the people of Ephraim will be famous. Now, Ephraim was the name of one of Joseph's sons. After he came out of that grueling trial in Egypt, he named his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. Ephraim meant God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God is going to bring us out fruitful. In this place of affliction, this is not the end. God is working something out. He's purging, he's pruning, he's lifting, he's separating, and he will make us fruitful in the land of our affliction. He went on to say that we would sail through troubled seas and brush aside harsh ocean waves, that roaring rivers would turn to a trickle, and that our enemies would be exposed and stripped bare as frauds. He said, but my people, I will make them strong, God strong, and they'll live my way. God says so. That is the promise written in Zephaniah. You know, he says that he will give us authority and power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Luke 10, 19 says, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God has a promise of survival from the plague as we get in position and we're properly dressed and covered by the blood. And then there was one last thing that he told them, have communion. You see, communion is a sign of covenant. And even though Christ had not died yet, his blood had not been shed, his body had not been broken, this Passover meal was a prophetic declaration of things to come. It put in place the covenant between them and God at that point that he would bring them out, out from under the oppression of the enemy into a place of promise. And that has been solidified for us through the blood of Jesus on the cross. His death and his resurrection has finished the work and we are now in place with the covenant completely in place. This is what Paul said in the Corinthian to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10:16 reading from the message version he said i assume i'm addressing believers now who are mature draw your own conclusions when we drink the cup of blessing aren't we taking into ourselves the blood the very life of Christ and isn't it the same with the loaf of bread the very life of Christ because there is one loaf our manyness hmm becomes oneness. You see, there's strength in numbers. God called them to have communion because he wanted them to come together to be one. He wanted them to have unity as they left the place of bondage. He knew that together, nothing would be impossible for them. He says, Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in him. This is the work of redemption that God wants to do with churches. Uh, we are the church, but as you know, there are many splinters and factions and uh, different uh, expressions of our belief in Christ. And I believe that God in this hour is causing all the divisions to come down for us to come into a oneness and to be unified in our walk before him. He says, we don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. That's powerful. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. That's basically what happened even in old Israel, he goes on to say. Those who ate the sacrifices offered on God's altar entered into God's action at the altar. 
So you see, God is saying, I'm calling you back into unity. Notice lately, nobody's fussing about, should we be baptized first or whose church is the best? We just still all just trying to have church. Do you know Jesus is the only answer and question that you will hear resonating at this point in time. It really has made priorities realign, hasn't it? And we see what's truly important based on the day. Well, it's not the first time people have been told to stay in the house. So even though you might be having a little bit of cabin fever, know that there is safety there. Isaiah 26, 20 says, go home, my people, and lock your doors. Hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed. Now, I can't say exactly what God is doing, but I do believe he's pushed the reset button in the earth realm and that uh, he's doing some things and he wants his children to stay safe. Psalm 91 tells us that those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, the Samus wrote. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors that fly by night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you. These evils will not touch you. This is the truth. This is the belt that you need to secure your wardrobe with right now. As you dress yourself in righteousness and salvation and faith and wield the sword of the spirit, be dressed with the things that really count. Be dressed in eternal truths, the things that God says yes and amen to. I want to quickly give you a few practical tips for staying in the house. Take advantage of this time to commune with God. Redeem the time. Don't say I have to be in the house. Say I get to be in the house. Now is the time to take advantage of all the time you have to make sure you carve out a special time for devotion. This is your time to reconnect with God, to rediscover his word all over again and learn the word for yourself. It's important for you to know the word for yourself because there may come a time when you can't get to church and they shut down the internet and pastor won't be there. You know what? He was never wired to solve all your problems in one hour that it took a year, a month, or even longer um, to have build up in your life. So God wants to have not just a personal relationship with you, but he wants you to have a personal knowledge of his word. He wants you to have insight and understanding so that you apply his principles to your life and reap the victory that he so badly wants you to experience. There's so many different Bibles on the internet for free. Download the copy that makes sense to you and learn his word. Learn his word for yourself and pray. But when you pray, don't just talk at God. Wait in the silence. Be still and know that he is God and hear an on-time word of what the Spirit is saying to you. Now is the time for you to receive instructions and ideas and strategies for moving forward. 
Reconnect with your family and loved ones. Even though we're practicing social distancing, make sure you reach out on the phone, on FaceTime, check on people, love on people the, um, the way you can. Um, order a meal and have it sent for someone that might be shut in. Find ways to connect. Okay. We're learning how to reach out in other ways. I just saw T.D. Jakes was on saying he, he doesn't usually do this much live social media, but he has time and these are times that call for connecting. So everyone is reaching out as best they can to make sure that others feel hope and stay encouraged. And then assess your priorities and complete old tasks that maybe you've put off for a long time. Now's the perfect time to spring clean. I'm in London. If I was at home in Ghana, I would be cleaning closets and getting some paperwork filed, but I'm on my computer doing what I can from here. And most of all, prepare for the new. God is doing a new thing. Nothing is ever going to be the same again, the way we do business, education, healthcare, and even church. The way you handle money should change because now we all know that tomorrow is not promised, might not have that paycheck tomorrow. So we must become wise stewards with what he's given us and make sure that we can laugh at the days to come because we're prepared and we've got something um, put away for those times. Our sense of resourcefulness should change. I believe that's going to change even the face of trade in countries as countries are now um, having to look at their own resources. We can't all rely on one source. I just discovered Ghana rice and it's amazing. I love it better than the imported rice. We have so much fresh vegetation and things that we could be partaking of and enjoying in our own countries. I believe that it's going to force us to become more resourceful with the things that are already in our hands. We should never have to rely on one source for anything. Then it becomes a God, doesn't it? Learn the lessons that we need to learn and reposition ourselves for greater strength and readiness. These are important things to do during this time. This is just a test. This is just a preamble of things to come. And believe me, there will be other things that will be more frightening than this as the end times come upon us. So let us make sure that we draw strength, that we grow during this time, we mature, we build new faith muscles um, that prepare us for the times ahead. And in the meantime, don't fear. Don't give place to fear. Guard your ear and eye gates. Watch what you're listening to and what you're thinking about. This is self-discipline, a fruit of the spirit. Um, shut down, prohibit how much corona information you take into your system on a daily basis and replace it with the word of God. Isaiah 26, 3, 4 says, he will keep us in perfect peace who trust in him. All of those whose thoughts are fixed on him, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is an eternal rock. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Now, as I wind this up, I want you to know that there's one thing that is imperative. And that is, you need to know that God's promises are based on relationship. If you're watching me today and you're in the house, now is the time to reassess your relationship with God and realign yourself. You can't expect a favor from someone you don't have a relationship with. 
and no one lets a stranger in the house unless they come with someone they know or reference. We've been told to pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our reference who gets us an in with God. Where do you stand with God? Are you in the house or are you standing outside? Have you invited him into your home, your heart? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens to me, I will come in and fellowship with them. Perhaps today you're in the house, but you're not in the household of faith. You're in need of solidifying your relationship with the one who sacrificed himself for you. Allow me to introduce you to Jesus. The rest is up to you. You get to invite him into your heart. I want to help you do that today. If you'll embrace your relationship with the, that he wants to have with you, if you'll allow him to bring his peace into your space, I'd like to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, just repeat this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in need of a Savior, in need of your peace. Lord, I am a sinner. I acknowledge my sin. And I ask you to wash me with your word, to cleanse me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to redeem me from myself and from the world. I choose to turn my back on the world right now, and I choose to follow you. I want relationship with you, O oh God. I want your peace. I want your wholeness. I want to see you as you are and be your child. I invite you to come into my life this day. Take over, have your way in my life this day and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to give you one more thing to do so that you have what you need to continue your relationship. I want you to click on the slide underneath your player to indicate that you would like to embrace a relationship with Jesus. And then a form is going to come up and you can fill that form in with your details and our team will contact you to support you and equip you with all the necessary tools in this new decision that you've made. Now, if you don't see that on your screen, um, you can have a direct link by logging on to www.jh7.uk forward slash new life. Well, I hope that I was an encouragement to you today. I hope that I gave you hope and that you will be strengthened in your inner man or your inner woman by the promises of God. This is just for a short season. So make sure that you follow the rules naturally and spiritually. Cleanse your hands. Sanctify and set yourself apart. Amen. Stay in the house. And don't forget, to the blood speaks for you. It will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Keep your mind on the power of the blood at work in your life. And thank God in advance for the victory. Because it's coming, my friend. Stay encouraged. See you soon. God bless. 